Good morning. Uh, today is July the 5th. I hope you had a good uh, 4th of July weekend celebrating independence. I did. Um, it's been a beautiful, beautiful weekend here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, hottest it's been so far this year, probably up in the 90s. Uh, but um, beautiful nonetheless. Um, so anyway, good to see you guys. Uh, thank you for being here today. Scott, God bless you, brother. <clears throat> Pickens, South Carolina. And Zeke. Zeke is from uh, Houston, Texas. So God bless you, Zeke. And um, anyway, today what we're going to do, I'm using a little bit of new technology. I finally figured out by talking to Dell, <laughs> technical support. Uh, how to keep my computer connected to the internet. So I'm use I'm back using my Manicam application. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll stay connected and everything will be okay. So uh, we'll leave that up to the Lord, I guess. So, uh, but uh, today I'm going to be looking at Acts chapter number nine. We have been studying Acts nine uh, fifteen through the end of the chapter. Uh, verse number 38, and uh, we're going to just cover those verses. Uh, bear in mind, chapter number 9 is the conversion of Saul. Um, <clears throat> Saul had uh, received letters to Damascus to go into the synagogues, and in the synagogues he was going to drag those out who were found to be of the way, whether they be men, women, and they were gonna. He was gonna bring them bound back into Jerusalem to stand trial and be persecuted and killed. Many of them. And as he journeyed, of course, we know as he journeyed and came up near uh, Damascus, um, his conversion experience. Uh, some have went back and forth with um, this conversion experience. Was it under the gospel of grace or was it under the gospel of the kingdom? Um, I mean, I think the obvious answer, it was under the gospel of the kingdom. That was what was being taught at the time. That is what Paul immediately went out and preached himself. Uh, so <clears throat> Paul is, uh, is uh, being converted under the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and we know that he fell to the earth and he heard a voice. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Um, and then, of course, um, he trembling and astonished uh, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And, of course, the Lord tells him, I want you to rise. I want you to go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And those around him were speechless. Um, they heard a voice, but they didn't see anyone. And then Saul rose from the earth. He was blind. And he was taken into Damascus. And for three days, and he was without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. And there was a disciple there. We're introduced to Ananias. Ananias, uh, the Lord had to come to him, too, in a vision. And he said, Ananias, and he said, behold, I'm here, Lord. And he said, listen, I want you to rise. I want you to go into the street that's called Straight. And I want you to inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he's praying. And uh, he's seen a vision of a man, you. And you need to go in and you need to put your hands on him that he might receive his sight. 
And of course, Ananias began to make excuses because he had heard about who this Saul was and what he was all about and what he was headed from Jerusalem to Damascus to do. And he said, Lord, I've heard many things about this guy, how much evil he's done to the saints at Jerusalem. And he's coming here with authority from the chief priest. And he's going to bind all that call upon thy name. And then we get into verse number 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Notice he didn't even attempt <laughs> to, uh, to justify what he was asking um, Ananias to do. He says, you just need to go your way and you need to do what I tell you to. Because I've chosen him. He's going to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Um, so this marks the beginning of transition in the book of Acts. This marks the beginning of the ministry of Saul who would become Paul. This is marking the transition from Peter to Paul, from Jerusalem to Antioch, from the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of grace. Not yet. Chapters 9 through 13, uh, there's a transition going on in these, these chapters. Um, so here we see it. And he says he's going to be going to Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Um, and again, um, Saul is responding to the kingdom gospel. And he repented. And we're going to find out that he's going to be baptized. Uh, in verse number 18. Uh, under the direction of Ananias. Who was also saved or converted under the gospel of the kingdom. And... Um, um, Notice verse number 16, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So going with the previous thought, God says, I'll show him, meaning yet future. I'll show him what I have for him. Uh, for the moment, you just go do what I ask you to. Lay hands on him so that he can receive his sight. And then notice in verse number 17, it says here, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and putting his hands on him said brother Saul the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me but thou might that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost and immediately <clears throat> there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized now <clears throat> uh, Notice, I see something different in these verses that I haven't, I see a pattern here that I haven't seen before, or at least on the surface it looks like, and we've discussed this, but in Acts chapter number two, they repented at the preaching of Peter, they were baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit. You remember at the end of Peter's sermon, they said, what shall we do? And he said, you need to repent, you need to baptize, and you'll be, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter number 8, <clears throat> when the Samaritans repented at the preaching of Philip, um, they were baptized, but they did not receive the Holy Spirit until Peter and John showed up. And Peter and John had to lay hands on them. And we discussed the significance of that. I believe that Samaritans did not receive 
um, the filling of the Holy Spirit as yet until they had submitted themselves back to uh, Jerusalem. Because you remember the, the lady at the well, uh, she said, you Jews say that you got to worship in Jerusalem, but our fathers, uh, I believe that the Samaritans uh, under Peter, Peter using the keys. Um, I think I was talking to Zeke about this the other day when Jesus said, uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Peter used those keys. Peter used those keys in Acts chapter two uh, when he preached, when he offered the kingdom to the nation of Israel. He's, he, he used those keys again um, when he went and prayed for the Samaritans that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and I would say he used those keys again when Peter, when Paul would come to him in Acts chapter 15 uh, in regards to the gospel of grace. And Peter said, well, you go to the uncircumcised and we will continue with the circumcision. Uh, so Peter was given that unique apostolic authority that no one has had since. Um, and of course, we know as students of the Bible, there's people today that say, you know, Peter was the first pope. Well, again, that's built on the uh, assumption that the body of Christ was born in Acts chapter number two. And of course it was not. And Peter never went to the Gentiles. In the next chapter we're going to see is with Cornelius. And even then he's going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Um, so, uh, that's an erroneous assumption. And then here we see Saul repents. He receives the spirit along with his sight and is then baptized, question mark. I don't think that's what that's saying. I think it simply means that he had repented. Ananias prayed over him to receive his sight. He was baptized and then he received the spirit just as those before. So I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's a third thing going on here. I can't get that from the text. Um, so then look in verse number 19. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. He preached Christ in the synagogues. Of course, the only people in the synagogues were Jews. So Paul wasn't, Saul wasn't going to Gentiles at this point. Uh, he's going to Jews and notice he's preaching Christ. He's not preaching Christ crucified. He's not preaching a grace gospel. He is preaching the kingdom gospel. It's all he knew. It's all he's ever heard. It's all Ananias knew when he laid his hands on him to receive sight and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul is preaching Christ, not Christ crucified. That's the difference between the kingdom gospel and the gospel of grace. The kingdom gospel is Christ. Uh, the gospel of grace is death, burial, resurrection. Uh, and he goes to the synagogues. And again, notice he, 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 certain days he was strengthened, he was receiving meat, and he was with the disciples. And where were the disciples? They were at the synagogue. Uh, again, there is no break uh, between those of the way and temple worship or the synagogue. Uh, when they believe the gospel of the kingdom, they're still participating in temple worship. They are still uh, very much a part of what's going on in the synagogues. They're not pulling away. 
they were still very much a part of Judaism, but they were a sect, if you will, called the Way. And this would cause them a lot of grief when it come to the Romans, because the Romans would see them as something new. And it would, it would cause that persecution. Uh, but for the moment, they're just Jews. They're Messianic Jews. They had accepted the gospel, the teaching of the kingdom. He was converted unto the gospel of the kingdom, and he taught the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, in Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 123, uh, it says that he preached the faith that he once destroyed. So Paul, when he first came to the Lord, when he first converted, he was preaching the faith that he once destroyed. And what was that faith? Uh, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom message. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He came to offer us a kingdom if we would but repent and be baptized. If you think that Ananias was freaked out by this guy, <laughs> Uh, you can imagine how everybody else felt. I mean, this dude had a lot of power. I mean, he had received papers from the chief priests from Jerusalem to come all the way up to their little hamlet and go into their synagogues and drag out everyone who were part of the way and bring them bound back to Jerusalem to face persecution and even death course they were freaked out. Can you imagine trying to worship beside of this guy? Uh, it had to have been tremendously uh, difficult. And then notice in verse number 21, but all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And he's come here for that same intent that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. So again, he's preaching the Christ. He is proving the Christ. Uh, I, I, I pulled out that part, proving that this is very Christ. This was the same ministry of the other apostles. They were proving the Christ. That word proving there... Um, proving in the original means to drive together, to unite, to infer, to show, to teach. He was proving that this was the Christ that the Old Testament foretold. He was driving together this idea that this was the very Christ that was promised would come. This was the prophet that Moses spoke about, the one that they're supposed to be listening to. He's uniting those two ideas. He is proving that this is the very Christ. He was proving from the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus was their Messiah. And then notice in verse 23, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known to Saul, and they watched the, gate, the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. So there needs to be a differentiation between the Jews who were waiting to kill him and the disciples who took him by night and let him down 
by the wall in a basket. Um, notice it says that after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. The question is, how much is many days? Well, if we look over in Galatians, it, it seems it's that three-year period. Um, in Galatians 1.16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for 15 days. So that's going to happen in the next verse right here. And Saul was come to Jerusalem. So between chapter number, verse number 25 and verse number 23, that is those three years that Peter is talking about in Galatians 1.18. So there's a three-year gap between verse number 25 and when Saul came into Jerusalem. So the question is, what happened during that three-year gap? when he was head when he was out in arabia um paul also speaks of this in first corinthians eleven thirty two. but when we were judged we were chastened of the lord that we should not be condemned with the world wherefore my brethren when you come together to ah, i remember i messed that up last time I, I need to change that note he mentions that 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 arabia experience um in Corinthians as well. Let me see. Uh, I don't know where it is. I got to change that. But uh, both of you are preachers. I'm sure you've done that a million times before. Um, I need to change that verse. That reference not true. But some people believe that it was during these three years in Arabia that God showed in the mystery. And, th and that's the perplexing thing. We, we, we're not sure when God showed Paul the mystery. We know that he was converted under the gospel of the kingdom. We know that he preached Christ. He preached the gospel of the kingdom in the synagogues to the Jews. But we don't know when he received the mystery. Uh, and some would speculate that he received it during that three-year period. I, I tend to disagree with that. Um, because if he had received it, why wouldn't he have shared that with Peter in verse number 26? After that three years in Arabia, when he went into Jerusalem, why wouldn't he have shared that with Peter at that time? Instead, it would be 14 years later when Saul would come back to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem council, and then he shared it with Peter. So, I, I don't believe that Paul received the gospel of grace, the mystery, in that three-year period between Damascus and going up into Jerusalem at the council. Um, um, and of course, we, we see this timeline in Galatians. Uh, in Galatians 2.1, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem. So he goes three years after Damascus. He apparently had not received the mystery yet. And then 14 years later, he goes back down into to Jerusalem, which is recorded in Acts 
15 with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. And it's during that time, you see verse number two, I went up by revelation. Let me show that to you. He says in, in Galatians uh, 1, 2, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. So I don't believe that Paul received this mystery between 25 and 26 in the book of Acts. Um, I just think that if Paul had received something, he would have shared it with Peter the first time that he was at Jerusalem. Now, some do believe that it might have been just after Jerusalem that he received the mystery. It could have been after that first visit to Jerusalem. And there, there, are, there is some context possibly for that. Um, when he gives his testimony in Acts twenty two seventeen, it says, And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. I saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I am prisoned and beat, beat everyone in the synagogue that believed on thee. And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed. I was standing by and consenting unto his death, and I kept the raiment, and he said, Depart, for I will send thee hence to the Gentiles. So Paul, um, I mean, if you look at the text there, um, it, it looks like I will send thee hence to the Gentiles right after that first visit to Jerusalem. Um, but again, I don't think it happened before Jerusalem or he would have shared that with Peter. And by the time he does arrive in Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 15, 14 years later, he mentions that there are churches that were made up of Gentiles in Syria, Cilicia, and Antioch, which is where he went after he left, after he left Jerusalem. And we're going to see that as we work our way down into here, that he's going to end up going to the to this area, um, into in Syria, and we talked about, and we're going to work our way down. But we know that he did when he left Jerusalem. He went to those areas of Syria, Cilicia, and Antioch, which was just north of Jerusalem. Um, because in Acts 15, 23, and they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and the elders and the brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. So he went there right after Jerusalem. So I think there's a little bit of context there that he did receive the gospel, the, the mystery, right after he left Jerusalem that first time with Peter. So... Um, uh, Scott, you're saying it's second Corinthians for this right here. That would make sense. Wouldn't it brother? Um, let's see. Second Corinthians 11, 32 through 33 and Damascus, the governor under Eretus, the king kept the city and the Damas Damascenes with a garrison desires to apprehend me and through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and I escaped their hands. That is true. 
And I and yeah, so he is recording that. That thank you, Scott. I sure do appreciate that. <laughs> uh, how many of you guys have ever preached a sermon, realized in the sermon that your notes are wrong, preached the message again later on, realized you did not correct your notes, and you made the same mistake? So uh, I think we've all done that before. So I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Um, so anyways, now look in verse number 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. Bear in mind, this is three years after he was let down over the wall. Um, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, obviously, and believed not that he was disciple, obviously. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. In other words, he shared Paul's conversion experience on the Damascus road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus, the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out in Jerusalem. He was always with him and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So time-wise, this would have been around 32 AD. This would have been three years after his conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And again, it's no wonder that the disciples were still a little leery of Saul. I would have been leery of Saul. Um, because of his reputation, because of what he was doing, uh, who wouldn't have been? The dude killed people. <laughs> he killed Jews. Um, and this one, Barnabas, his name means son of all consolation, uh, or son of encouragement. Uh, I always use him as a, um, you know, I, I tell young men that you need, well, I tell everybody, but you need to have three people in your life at all times. You need to have a Paul, which is someone who disciples you, someone that's more mature than you, someone that can get up in your grill. Um, and you need to have a Timothy in your life. You need to some, you need to be a Paul to somebody. You need to be sowing into someone else's life. And then you need Barnabas. You need an encourager. You need a an equal, if you will, you need a, a peer. Um, and you know, you need to be able to look in your life and who are those people? You know, who are those people who's sowing into me? Who am I sowing into and who am I fellowshipping with? You know, um, you need those people in your life. And I, and I, and that's the hardest thing for me to have. I, I, I have plenty of Timothys. I mean, I got Timothys <laughs> all over the place. You know, I've, uh, you know, here at the university and ministering to these young 20 somethings, I've got Timothys. Um, uh, my Pauls are harder to come by, um, because the older I get, um, you know, I just, that's the hard part for me. So, my Pauls are mostly virtual. <laughs> uh, my Pauls are guys that I know via social media, guys I study under. I would say maybe Les Feldick is a is a Paul to me. Um, Randy White would be a, a Paul to me. Uh, Michael Pearl, you know, uh, Scott turned me on to Michael Pearl. Uh, been following him. 
Um, Barnabases are, are tougher as well. Uh, just finding people of like mind, going the same way, doing the same thing. Um, peers are very difficult. I think, I think those are young. Those are easier when you're younger because you are so clueless that, you know, it's easy to find a ball. Um, you can sow into people. And of course you've got a lot of equals hanging around you. So, but anyway, I, I think to strike that balance, you need to have those people in your life if possible. Um, and I shouldn't give up on that at all. Um, uh, thank God for social media, I guess. So um, Barnabas comes up. He steps up to the plate. He defends um, Saul to, uh, to those in Jerusalem. He speaks well on behalf of him in an attempt to remove the hesitancy that so many still apparently had in regards to him. Uh, hey, Scott, God bless you. You bet, buddy. <laughs> And I guess it could same to be said as Zeke. Um, you know, he was my Timothy at one time. I think I think the Timothys can become your Barnabases for sure. Um, uh, I guess even your Pauls, you know, can become your Barnabases as you grow. Um, but amen. Uh, so this was the beginning of their ministry together. Um, however, Saul still met tremendous amounts of opposition because of his insistence that Jesus was the Messiah. And bear in mind, the preaching of Peter, you know, you intend to place this man's blood upon us. Um, Stephen, you're placing this man's blood upon us. And understand, the whole gospel of the kingdom uh, was you've crucified the Messiah. What's interesting is I put something on my blog the other day, um, and I let me let me show you that real quick. Um, here we go. Um, let's see. Here we go. Not on my blog. It was on my website. Um, see where I can get this for you. Here we go. Um, I was listening to Michael Pearl, who actually Scott is the one that told me about him. And uh, let me see, where was that? He was showing how that... Um, Pentecost. Um, nope, here we go. I was listening to a dear brother, and he pointed out two verses that make it very clear um, that the kingdom could not have been offered prior to the crucifixion. In Luke 24, 25, he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered the things and entered into his glory? And see, I learned that from Michael Pearl. I'd never seen that before. And then in 1 Peter 1.11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So in other words... 
the, the cross had to happen before the offering of the kingdom. And it was offered in the book of Acts. Peter said in Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So Jesus had to be crucified. Um, and had they accepted him as their Messiah at the preaching of Peter, at the preaching of Stephen, Philip, um, even Paul at this point, Daniel's 70th week would have began. So, you know, just very interesting. Um, so Paul is still preaching that. Uh, and of course, he's meeting this opposition. Um, and I got a little note here. Nothing would get the dander up of a religious poor person more than challenging their strongly held unbiblical beliefs. <laughs> And, of course, their answer was, kill him. You know, uh, kill him. So, then look in verse number 30. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. So, again, he's getting thrown out of Jerusalem. So, he's been thrown out of Damascus. Now, he's getting thrown out of Jerusalem. And here we find Saul fleeing for his life again. Not a very good start to ministry. And it is from here that the brethren brought him to Caesarea. And of course, that's recorded in Galatians 1.21, when he said, Afterwards, I came into the regions of Caesarea, or Syria and Cilicia. And that's where he had disciples, or people who had Gentiles who had believed. So again, that goes along with what I was just saying. These brethren are still those of the kingdom church, though, as there is no suggestion that Paul had received anything different at this point, at least. In verse 31, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Understand, these churches are still Messianic Jewish believers at this point. It's not the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. Uh, it is still Jewish churches, Jewish believers that are in these churches. Um, Randy White makes a point that only the King James uses the plural churches here, while all of the other translations make that word singular church in their attempt to show there is no difference between the the kingdom church, and the body of Christ. But there is a difference between the two. It is accurately translated churches. Okay. Um, then notice verse 32. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down to the saints, which dwelt at Lydda. And of course, Peter was still going to the Jews. Uh, so now the text is going to swing back from Paul back to Peter again. And he's visiting the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Again, so far we've seen nothing but Jews. You cannot insert Gentiles into these chapters without displaying your bias. Just like misinterpreting churches <laughs> will show your bias. 
On another note, even if Saul did receive the revelation of mystery by this point, again, there is no indication of it. We cannot see that. He's not preaching it yet. At least we can't see it in the text. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately, and all that dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now the palsy was a disease that negatively affected the muscles, which means this man could not walk. But as a result of the healing, all that dwelt in Lydda and Sharon turned to the Lord. Now again, when it says they turned to the Lord, they responded to the gospel of the kingdom. They became part of the way. Okay. Now again, there's another term that we need to be familiar with, and that is the little flock. A lot of mid-Acts teachers, which I identify myself as one now, <laughs> will refer to Peter's little flock. Uh, and they get that from Luke 12, 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Who is the Father going to give the kingdom to? The little flock. Who's the little flock? The Jews that he was speaking to in Luke 12, 32. So you'll hear a lot of Bible teachers refer to Peter's little flock. And that's referring to Jewish believers under the kingdom church. Uh, and again, we are not the flock. We are not the sheep of his pasture. In the interpretation, the Jewish people are that, not us. Um, so these were simply Jewish believers in the kingdom gospel. I hope that makes sense. Um, you'll, you'll hear a lot of Bible teachers refer to that little flock. Um, also, uh, who's that other guy that we listen to? Uh, Rodney Ballou. You know, Rodney Ballou is definitely... Um, he, refer, he uses that term quite a bit. Now in verse 36, Now there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. Now Joppa was a small port town close to Lydda. And that's where Peter was going. And, and we read about Joppa. It was a pretty famous port city. Jonah went down to Joppa looking for a ship so he could flee. All the wood that was brought in to build the temple came in by sea to Joppa and was carried up into Jerusalem. Now, interestingly, the name Tabitha or Dorcas means gazelle. It could also be translated doe. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. And for as much as little was nigh to Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter rose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turned him to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, 
again, I, I'm beginning to make much ado of the word saints, um, and presented her alive. And it was known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. So in these verses, Peter raises this woman from the dead. Now again, we see a pattern here. As a result of Pentecost, miracles performed, kingdom preached. Peter is following that pattern. He raises Tabitha from the dead. Obviously, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And many believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It doesn't say that exactly in the verse, but obviously they believed the message that Peter had either preached or that Peter was representing. No one can honestly say that God works this way today. Nobody. I've been, I've been around a lot of people that would like for God to work this way, and I have no doubt God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants, to anybody he wants. But God, as a pattern, does not work this way today. We are living under a different dispensation. That word dispensation means a dispensing. We are under a different dispensing than the apostles operated under. Uh, and yet there's so many today who think the church was born in Acts chapter number two and Pentecost was for the church. They even call themselves Pentecostals, um, you know, and they have apostolic authority. That's just not found in the text, guys. It's not there, you know, and there's two groups that I tend to cheese off the fastest. <laughs> Pentecostals and covenant people. <laughs> They're the ones that will fight you the hardest on this because they are the ones that are so much more invested in it. Because if the church was not born in Acts chapter number two, it puts a nail in the coffin of both of them. And uh, I'll be happy to drive that nail, quite frankly. Uh, I think both of them have caused tremendous amounts of division and confusion and misunderstanding in the body of Christ today because they simply will not understand that Pentecost was not for them. We are not God's covenant people. God does not have a covenant with the Gentiles. Uh, he has a covenant with the nation of Israel and the new covenant is not for the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter how many times uh, you call yourself New Covenant Baptist Church, it doesn't make it true. Uh, I was listening to a music group the other day, and I really enjoyed them. Um, but the name of it was, We Are the Kingdom. We Are Kingdom. We Are the Kingdom, something like that. We're not the kingdom. We're not in the kingdom. The kingdom is not for us. I mean, I mean, we clearly <laughs> looked when we talked about the little flock in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is for the nation of Israel. The body of Christ is a heavenly people with heavenly promises. The Jewish people are an earthly people with earthly promises. 
we're not the same unless you've embraced replacement covenant theology, which unfortunately so many in the church today have. Even though they claim they're dispensationalist, they are still preaching a replacement theology. We the kingdom, that's the name of it, Scott. Uh, we're not the kingdom. We're not advancing the kingdom. Not, we're not bringing in the kingdom. Uh, we're not a part of the kingdom. And God forbid we're not in the kingdom now. If this is, we're in trouble. Uh, we're not in a spiritual kingdom. Uh, we're definitely not in a physical kingdom. It is still thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. That's not happening. Um, again, it's just, and we, we just don't want to turn to the scriptures and let the scripture speak for, for itself. Once you turn and you rightly divide the word of God and you make a distinction between the nation of Israel and the body of Christ, <clears throat> it, it answers every little fuzzy question you've ever had. Um, I have spent my entire ministry trying to um, uh, rectify the apparent contradictions between the Hebrew epistles and the Pauline epistles. <laughs> well, but once you understand the Pauline epistles were written to the body of Christ and the Hebrew epistles were written to the Hebrews, you begin to understand they are to different groups. One is still under the gospel of the kingdom. The other is under the gospel of grace. So yes, James is talking about works because he's not talking to you. There's a great book, great book. He wasn't, he's not talking to you. Um, I read that. Uh, Clarence, I forget who it was. McLaren, I forget. No, not McLaren. Uh, I forget who it is, but I'll be happy to put a link up to it. You can get it off of... Uh, Kindle. You can get in a Kindle book, but called, but it's called. He he's not talking to you, um, and that was the first time as I began my journey to understand. James wasn't talking to me. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to Jewish believers who were under the gospel of the kingdom, who were still under the law. And once you begin to rightly divide the word of truth, and again, you're not dividing truth from error. You're dividing truth from truth. What's truth for Israel is not truth necessarily for the body of Christ. Repent and be baptized is truth. But simple belief is truth. But when you take those two truths and you make them one truth, you come up with a contradiction. So, anyway, I digress. Um, I appreciate you guys. It was good having you this morning. And... Uh, I put up the note, I went in and I uh, reorganized um, my website, um, just made it a little, make it, made it make a little bit more, or at least it, it flows a little better. Um, I went in there and I, I put some tabs across the top and um, it is, uh, it shows now, um, let me see right here. I separated the audio studies, um, so that you can find them all together. Um, 
under the audio studies, and then I also separated out the video studies. Um, so uh, you can see everything is together now. And of course, they're launching out into uh, SoundCloud and uh, YouTube. So check that out. I think you enjoy that if you want to go back and refer to some things. And then, of course, under the, the home uh, page, I still have all my confusing written notes. So, so you can see all of that. Okay. Well, God bless you guys. It sure was good to see you. And I hope you have a great rest of your 4th of July weekend. And it was good to see you, Zeke, uh, Zeke, uh, Scott, uh, Lori. God bless you. Hope you have a great Lord's Day. And, uh, and I'll start back up tomorrow morning. We'll start working our way through chapter number 10 again. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend.